Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, I'm still in the book of Acts, chapter 22. Um, and uh, th- this morning, we're going to look at Acts chapter 22 and 23. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and turn there. Uh, but you know, this morning, the title of my message is that Paul defends the truth. And this morning, as I think of that, I am reminded, and it's one of my favorite verses, and that is John 14, 6. If you're not familiar with that verse, uh, I, I ask that you would look at that. But it says in John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, in our world today, the truth, the thought of the truth. And I know some people said, well, there's no truth to be found during, during a presidential election. And we're seeing that, you know, nowadays we have different agencies that listen to the candidates and tell us if whatever statement they made, if it was true. And even some of the statements, they'll say, well, it is 41% true. You know, well, what does that mean? Well, that means it's false, you know, and so as we look at that, what is the truth in our world today? As we think of the truth, the truth as a child of God is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the truth. But at the same token, there are times when we do not want to know the truth. Or as we know in some movie, you can't handle the truth. Trivia question. Can we handle the truth? You know, there are people today that I believe can't handle the truth because the truth of Jesus Christ is that he is to reveal the sins of mankind or sins of the world. And the truth is comes and shows us that. It's, we need to be reminded that the Word of God is a mirror, and it is there to show us inconsistencies, to show us the sin in our life. And so this morning, the truth, the truth of God, it is something that we can stand on, something that can hold us up, but we need to see the importance of it. The truth of God. Here, Paul, and this is a wonderful passage of Scripture, because in Saul, Paul's life, we know that he had a lot of inconsistencies. We know that his life was, in in some ways, the whole gamut. Uh, The way he was raised, the way that he was brought up, uh, all of this. But it's interesting, when you know the life of Paul, how God used his entire life. One of the things that I'm always reminded about Paul when I hear people say, well, Brother Frank, I have done terrible things in my life and there's no way God can use me. I always go back to Paul. Think of what Paul had done. Paul, in the beginning of his life, was persecuting Christians to the point of death, taking moms and dads and taking them out of the home and put them in the jail or having them killed. What else? How worse could it have gotten? But we find that the Lord stopped him and brought him as a servant, one to be used by God. And was it hard? Sure it was. 
But that just reminds me that in our lives sometimes you say, well, there's no way I can serve God today. Let me tell you, if you let the truth of Jesus Christ come into your life, there is a way, and it is the way of Jesus. This morning, look with me in Acts chapter 22, beginning with verse 1. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense before you. When they heard that he was addressing them in Aramaic, they became even quieter. He continued, I'm a Jew born in Tarshish of Sicilia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamal, according to the law of our ancestors. I was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way to the death, arresting and putting both men and women in jail, as both the high priest and the whole council of elders came testifying about me. After I received letters from them to the brothers, I traveled to Damascus to arrest those who were there and bring them to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was traveling and approaching Damascus about noon, Intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? He said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but they did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything that you have been assigned to do. Now put your hand there, your bulletin there, and we're going to come back to that passage. But as we look at this, we find that here Paul begins to speak to to those in Jerusalem and the brothers, the fathers, and You know, sometimes all of us, including myself, there are times in our life when we're not proud of some of the things that we had done. Paul was in that situation. He was not proud of the fact that he was part of that, uh, of going out and, uh, and persecuting people. And so he was sharing this. He was sharing this with people. And so you can imagine people were having all different reactions. Well, if you've done this, then you're not worthy to be in our sight. You know, some were condemning him immediately. Others were saying, man, I don't want to hear this. But what Paul was sharing was how Jesus acted and worked in his life, even though he had done those terrible things. Brothers and sisters, you ever heard of the phrase, walking in in someone else's shoes? You know, sometimes life can be cruel, sometimes life can be hard, and sometimes if we're not careful, we'll judge somebody upon their past life, but sometimes we need to look at the shoes that they have traveled in. Now, what Paul had done was wrong, but who confronted him? Jesus confronted him. God confronted him and brought him to redemption. And that is what we should pray for when there are people that, you know, if you want to say are out of control, but people that, that do not know Jesus Christ and you say, well, that person will never get saved. And I'm sure 
There were many who would say, well, Paul, man, he is the most cruel person alive today. But, but even in that moment, God confronted him. Let me tell you, God can confront every one of us in this room. For some of us, God's already confronted us. He's confronted us with the truth of his son. And what are we going to do with that truth? Are we going to listen to the truth? Or are we going to try, as Americans love to do, explain it away? We try to explain it away. Guys, today we need to see that the truth of God is real. And Paul was sharing that. And he shared the ugly side. We all have it. But again, we need to see the love of God. And even in that, God had a plan for this wretched man. God had a plan. He told him even where to go. He said, get up and go into Damascus. And there you will be told everything that you have been assigned to do. Now, I, when I hear that word assigned, I, I, I think of homework list or, 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 you know, a list of things that he's got to do. He was assigned to do some things. And so there in verse 11 and 12, he was told to go to Damascus and there was a man named Ananias. This one... He was a devout man of the law, there it says in verse 12, a man of good reputation. And even Ananias, you know, I'm sure he was going, you want me to do what, Lord? But here we find in verse 13, he said, he said, came and stood by me, Ananias did. Brother Saul, regain your sight. And in that, in that very hour, I looked up and saw him. And he said, the God of our ancestors appointed you. To know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the words from his mouth. And since you will be a witness for him to all the people of what you have seen and heard, and now, why are you delaying? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And so even Ananias at this point, he said, all right, Paul. It's time for you to see. Open those eyes. Now, you need to go and be baptized. And there was a plan for his life, for him to work for the Lord. He was going to be a witness. Now, a lot of people say, well, man, that's the last person I would have thought could be a witness for the Lord. Let that be a reminder to us of what the Lord can do to an individual. God can take, if we want to say wretched, if we want to use the word wretched, God can take anybody and bring a miracle, right? Some of us would have to confess this morning. That's what God's done in our life. He's worked in our life and brought forth a miracle. For us to be in God's house, for us to be worshiping God, because a few years ago that would not have happened. But God is still in the miracle business. Now, I want you to look over in verse 22, the same chapter. In Acts 22, verse 22, we find where Paul's citizenship comes into play and protects him. Protects him. There in verse 22, it says, they listened to him up to this point. Then they raised their voice, shouting, Wipe this man off the face of the earth. He should not be allowed to live. 
As they were yelling and flinging aside their garments and throwing dust in the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, directing that he be interrogated with the scourge to develop the reason they were shouting against him like this. As they stretched him out for the lash, Paul said to the centurion standing by, Is it legal for you to scourge a man who is a Roman citizen and is uncondemned? And when the centurion heard this, he went and reported to the commander saying, What are you going to do for this man is a Roman citizen? You see, even in that day, Roman citizens were treated differently. They could not just be beaten without being condemned. And so here we find that because of Paul, Saul's Roman citizenship, it gave him certain rights. I want you to know this morning, majority of you were born in the United States of America. And because of that, you have citizenship in this country. You are a citizen of this country. And because you're a citizen, you have certain rights. You have certain abilities. And one of those rights is to vote, as this country is preparing to do that. But if you also are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you have dual citizenship. You have citizenship in the kingdom of God. Now, you think about that. You know, there's times when our citizenship of being a citizen in America is an advantage to us. Is there ever a time when your citizenship as a child of God an advantage? It should be. It should be. It also dictates what? It also dictates how we should act and what we should do. Because as a citizen of God or citizen of the kingdom of God, the Bible does what? It tells us things we should do and things we should not. And so Paul let it be known that he was a Roman, and boy, that changed everything. Guys, maybe today we need to say more often that we are a child of God. Would that change anything? Hopefully it would. Hopefully people would stop and look back and say, oh, they are a child of God. You see, we need to see the difference there. And then Paul went on. Even though there were those who looked at him and were ready to crucify him, Paul continued to share his faith. If you'll go down to, the, to Acts chapter 23, to the next chapter. In Acts 23, we find where Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience to this day. The high priest Ananias, now this is a different guy, not the one we talked about a moment ago. The high priest ordered those who were standing next to him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, strike you, you whitewashed wall. You are sitting there judging me according to the law, and yet in violation of the law, are you ordering me to be struck? Those standing nearby said, do you dare revile God's high priest? Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was a high priest. 
For it is written, you must not speak evil of a ruler of your people. When Paul realized that one part of them were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the Sanhedrin, Brothers, I'm a Pharisee, son of Pharisee, and I'm being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. And when he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided, and you might as well say at that point, you might as well go home to lunch. Because everything was in an uproar. Everything. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, everything. They were just all at each other. Now, a couple points in there. He quotes the passage of Scripture from Exodus where Paul, he, you know, he even had to come back and say, you know, I didn't realize he was a religious leader. But, you know, that, that passage in Exodus 22 says, You shall not blaspheme God, nor curse government officials, your judge and your rulers. You know, that applies to us today. Even. And some of the things we're hearing today would be in violation of that. But, you know, we also need to see that what Paul did, even though they wanted to punish him, even though they heard his truth, many of them rejected it. Many of them just wanted to, you know, have him beaten and, and all these things. But Paul explained that he was a Jew. He believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, he explained all of that. And, but the problem was the Sanhedrin didn't believe in the resurrection or angels or the spirit. And so everything... You might say it went into the air, but it didn't stop Paul and Sherry. What Paul did was that he knew Christ in a real way. And I think in the day that we live in, in 2020, it is important that you and I know Jesus Christ in a real way. Just knowing a little no longer cuts it. I think we need to see that we need Jesus in a real way. We need it in a personal way. We need to have faith in him. And we need to make sure that we are doing our best in reading God's word and allowing it to be a mirror and to show us if there is inconsistencies where we need to stand. Paul preached the truth of the gospel. Even though he knew sometimes it would cause him to be punished, put in jail, beaten. He preached the truth. As we face this time in our life, we must always stand for the truth of the gospel. Anything else would be denying him. We've got to stand for the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, as Paul defends the truth because you are the truth. Lord, I pray today that we would see the importance of the truth, that you are the only way to salvation, that you are the only way to bring us truly home. And Lord, I pray that we would follow you in all things in your Son's name.